0: On this edition of the Iowa Business Report...
1: It's a candidate's market. That's one of the reasons there's such low unemployment.
0: Now that federal enhancement to unemployment has ended in Iowa, will we see much change in the number of people seeking work? Interesting survey results for both Cedar Rapids and Des Moines. And we'll tell you about a Waverly manufacturer that just completed a major expansion. This is the Iowa Business Report for the second weekend of June 2021. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. The state of Iowa has opted out of the $300 weekly enhancement for unemployment provided by federal funds. Last month, the state's unemployment rate ticked up slightly, with many suggesting the more generous unemployment payments led some to hold off on seeking jobs. In addition, finding the right workers may have been a challenge before the pandemic, but it's even more of an issue today. To get a national view on the topic, I spoke this past week with Barbie Barta, a hiring specialist and owner of Business-Centric Technology a staffing firm specializing in technology based in Dallas, Texas. From the people you work with, what do you wind up hearing in terms of this additional federal benefit for unemployment and how that impacts their ability to get workers?
1: Everyone is struggling right now to find enough talent. I think there are a lot of reasons, Jeff, that people haven't gone back to work. I think that may be one of them. I also think homeschooling has challenged a lot of folks to be able to go back to work. And when you had unemployment and a $300 incentive, you're probably able to take care of your life and your family a bit better. I have seen, you know, a lot of folks aren't moving to new jobs because they want to know, is it going to be remote? I think it's a candidate's market. That's one of the reasons there's such low unemployment.
0: I know here in my state of Iowa, later this week, the federal benefit, the extra 300 a week, Iowa stops participating. That comes to a close. But as I hear you talk, that's not going to resolve the whole issue, is it?
1: It won't. It won't. It'll be interesting to see once school goes back in after the summer. I think a lot of folks can have options for their kids during the summer. But it'll be interesting to see what happens when the kids go back to school and they're able to go back to school on site.
0: And, of course, here in Iowa, we've had that really since last August, uh, for the most part. But this is a time, as you say, it's a candidate's market. But I suppose if, in fact, the extra unemployment has skewed people's decisions and now the kids are home all summer, which might be a different situation for many families they might just delay until, what, late July, August, uh, early September to re-enter the market? Is is there a significant portion of the population that might be in that category?
1: I think that could uh, be the case. However, we are obviously seeing more people apply for positions. So they are starting to apply. I can give an example. I interviewed a recruiter last week, and he has been unemployed since April of last year, and I asked him, why now? And he said, because my incentive's leaving from the extra money as well as unemployment. But he said, my son, I had to homeschool him. I'm the primary caregiver. He's in the first grade. And now I realize I have to go back. It's summer, and I can make other arrangements for him. Mm. And, I, and I think employers are going to have to be open a little more flexible and some of the folks that have been not working for a while as far as the reason they haven't worked.
0: All right, let's pursue that a little because we're looking for a position here at the radio station and so I'm actually looking at resumes in real time and I have seen some gaps that I don't think are attributable to covid but regardless if there's a gap in a resume I don't think it's the sort of situation, certainly anymore, where you just simply reject the candidate and say nobody wanted to hire her or him. Could be a variety of reasons why there is a targeted gap.
1: Yeah, you're just going to have to have those conversations and get them to explain why they had the gap. Because there are some good reasons that you would have a gap. And, you know, people have been sick. People have had COVID. People have had to take care of their children. Maybe their, you know, their other spouse had to work on site. There's a lot of different reasons.
0: Well, let's talk now about the jobs of the future, if you will, because I know for a very long time we had a certain paradigm that you went to work, right? There was an office, for example, for that type of work. And even though many people, and we've talked to folks uh, who have supported this statement, many women felt obligated to go to work, And even though when they said, well, could I do a hybrid model, nobody knew what that was pre-COVID. Well, now lots of people have worked from home and we have seen that there are some great benefits. So is that going to be a model for the future where either the employer is going to affirmatively offer some sort of hybrid or the employee might be able to say with a little more credibility and and a little more uh, heft behind it, look. I need to take care of some things at home, either children, uh, elder care, et cetera, and craft their own job? Might they have a little more power?
1: Definitely, definitely. I I think most of the companies, there will be exceptions, but I think most of the companies that have been remote, they will come back with a hybrid solution uh, to make it a more flexible workplace. Even I did that, and I will tell you, I wasn't someone who thought, we could work from home 100%, but we obviously had two during COVID and we came back on a hybrid model. We worked in the office three days a week and we worked from home two days a week. And there are a lot of benefits and a lot of employee satisfaction around that.
0: Identify, if you will, some of those because for many of the folks listening, they went to work every day because they were in the essential category, certainly in my Mm -hmm. state. So what are some of the benefits? If I'm running a company, why should I be receptive to an employee who says, I'd like to do a remote model, even though it might be different than you've done it for the past 20 years?
1: Because that's how you're going to find folks that will work for you. I do think the mindset has changed for candidates and talent that, they have the ability now to demand that. Remote's always been a big ask on the technology side, always, long before COVID. However, there weren't that many companies offering it. And for technologists, it's it's nearly a, a no-brainer to do that because they're working on their computer all day anyway. But for essential businesses, if they're essential, I have several clients that are essential, and they've been at, they've been in their you know, distribution centers, they've been in their offices for the full time. But I think as employers, we have to have a bit more thought around what, is our, what our employees really want. How are we gonna keep them happy? And you know what, if you trust your employees, and I do trust mine, I'm very blessed, they, they work hard. They work hard and it hasn't hurt us a bit on the hybrid model. What
0: does it take for someone who does employ people to get to that point where they trust the employees? Obviously, there has to be a, a, a level of oversight and good vetting in the hiring process. But what kind of a boss does it take? What, what skill set does that boss have to have? Because some of us are control freaks, I'll be quite candid. and So, <laughs> so it's a difficult situation. But what, what qualities, shall we say, does the boss need to have in order to get to that? status that you just mentioned?
1: You know, if you're a good leader, you already know what your KPIs are and what your metrics and measurements need to be for your for your employees. You're already looking at that, whether you're on a hybrid or whether you work from home 100% or whether you are in the office 100%. You still look at the same things. You have to set some boundaries if they're going to have, have a hybrid or a remote, but it's all about communicating to them.
0: Finally, then, best advice for someone who is seeking to either change position, re-enter the job market, in other words, just change their current status as we enter the summer of 2021, what's, uh, what's top of mind for those individuals in your view?
1: You know, doing, depending on if, if you're looking for blue-collar, white-collar work, LinkedIn for white-collar, you definitely need to be a part of that looking at the job boards, looking at companies that you just have interest in that you think are an attractive company for you to work for. Networking will never go away. You still have to talk to people. It isn't unusual that people get jobs because they know someone in the company and they're willing to vouch for them. Referrals are huge right now because the market is so tight.
0: Barbie Barta of Business-Centric Technology. We spoke via phone on Tuesday, June 8th. Still to come, not sure what to make of these survey results, and in our business profile, more signs of growth in Iowa manufacturing. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by the Next Generation Leadership Group, preparing family business members for executive-level responsibilities and ownership. For more, go to the Family Business Center tab at AdvanceIowa.com. Last week, we told you in this segment about the cyber attack that affected JBS, the world's largest meat packer. An update, we now know they paid $11 million to resolve that ransomware attack. We often get information about how cities and states rank according to various topics. Some have good value and, frankly, some leave us scratching our heads. For example, Lawn Starter ranked the best cities in which to get and stay married. Eleven key indicators of so-called nuptial success were measured among the 150 largest cities in the U.S., Des Moines was in the top 10 worst cities for marriage success 10th worst or seen another way only 141st best of the 150 cities surveyed when considering the biggest five-year increase in separation and divorce rate only two cities had a larger rate of separation and divorce when comparing the year 2014 to the year 2019 on the bright side in the Midwest Omaha was 50th best and Sioux Falls 32nd best city in which to get married. Then there's this. The personal finance website WalletHub looked at credit card debt and the rate of paying down that debt. Des Moines ranked 168th and Cedar Rapids 176th in the survey in terms of the amount of household credit card debt. And that's roughly half as much debt than the worst cities on the list. The average household credit card debt in Des Moines is $9,200. It's only $8,800 in Cedar Rapids. If you're wondering, Santa Clarita, California led the list at $18,500. Also of note this week, Kirkwood Community College in Cedar Rapids has joined a consortium with Iowa's other community colleges and key state associations to build manufacturing businesses in Iowa. Now you may recall we told you earlier this year on this program about the Iowa Economic Development Authority's report seizing the manufacturing 4.0 opportunity. It's designed so manufacturers in Iowa could strategically address investments and challenges. IEDA is part of the consortium Other consortium partners include the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, Iowa Department of Education, Iowa Workforce Development, the Professional Developers of Iowa, and the Institute for Decision-Making at the University of Northern Iowa. Coming up, a multi-generation family-owned business commits to the future here at home. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by the Iowa Family Business Center by UNI, featuring a virtual lunch on the subject of family business and board compensation, coming up Thursday, June 17th. For more, go to AdvanceIowa.com and click on the Events tab. In January of last year, I visited United Equipment Accessories in Waverly. At that time, they were in the process of a major expansion. And despite the COVID pandemic, that project was completed last fall, adding 20,000 square feet of new production space and the remodeling of existing space, all to allow for improved operations and continued growth. The Waverly facility alone employs 146 people. Mark Hanawalt is president of United Equipment Accessories in Waverly.
2: The company makes electromechanic Devices typically for a rotary motion.
0: The simplest application
2: I can think of is a merry-go-round or a ferris wheel. They both have lights and they both rotate. And if you didn't have some type of a rotary joint in that rotational connection, the wires would twist off. You know, people will also say, well, where else is it used? And you know, th- when you start thinking about wind turbines and you start thinking about hydraulic cranes, and you start thinking about aerial lifts and packaging equipment and on and on and
0: on, you you start to say, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this world that goes around. This device is integral then to the operation of really the most fundamental cylindrical objects. Right,
2: exactly. And it can be as rudimentary or straightforward as an amusement ride, or it can be as technical as a tank or a satellite in outer space. It runs the whole gamut of level of technology.
0: That was all the work of Hanawalt's father, Vern Iserman, who founded UEA in his garage. It was his development of a reliable collector ring, more often now known as a slip ring, that laid the foundation for today's global company.
2: We identified uh, a problem with an application in 1952. The products that were on the market were not reliable and uh, so, uh, actually, my father designed and patented a uh, device that solved a lot of those problems, and that's really how the company you know started was kind of solving a problem. We always look for problems to solve because you get really long term happy customers that way. He was a pretty smart guy as I have observed the 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 greatest generation uh, of which he was a very um, typical person. These people went through some really tough times. And because they went through some really tough times, they were using their ingenuity all the time. It was, how am I going to solve this problem? And typically, how am I going to do it pretty inexpensively? Because I know the value of money. So everything he did was a lot of times done on a budget. It, It worked. It worked well. But that's where the disconnect came for him was, how do you market this? And he was lucky enough to have some people come along and get involved in in this company that said, oh yeah, we can do it for more than one or two or three manufacturers. We can take this nationwide. We can take this eventually globally.
0: In a multi-generational family-owned company, each generation adds its own unique take on things, each building on the generation that came before. By the time that I got here in the 70s, we had a good product. There's no question we had
2: a good product but we were very limited in the markets that we were serving, only doing potentially one or two. And so it really was that next generation's job, in my mind, to start adapting this to as many places as we could go. From that one to three markets, one especially, to now doing, you know, 16 different markets and looking for more, that's where we've taken this to now into the third generation, and, and you know, quite frankly I think where the ch- third generation is looking is expanding not only the product offerings but the technology as well. Every generation looks at the previous generation and says, they did this well, they maybe didn't do this as well as they could have, what can I learn
0: from this and what
2: can I put that into practice for.
0: A third generation is now a part of United Equipment Accessories leadership team. UEA recently acquired a firm in Texas in order to help it meet its desire to grow, and that has led Mark Hannawalt to consider some broad concepts about business here at home. I love Iowa, but one of the problems that we have is people.
1: they are
2: good people here, but just not enough of them. And so we took the strategic move to acquire a company in Austin, Texas, which is obviously growing very quickly. And... Um, with a lot of human power and technical knowledge available and so um, we're going to see how that plays out as to how much we can continue to expand in Iowa and or whether we're capped and any future expansion maybe has to come elsewhere 20 years ago I would never said that but uh, that's the reality today.
0: We just don't have the Human workforce appropriately skilled and trained, so that you can go beyond yeah. where you are. I won't go
2: that far. Mm-hmm. I think most employers today. I mean, we have a we have a, a part of our um, human resources which we call UEA University, mm-hmm. and I think it's contingent upon employers today to train and educate people, because mm-hmm. a lot of times the jobs we ask for are not, you know, yes. Um, the community colleges are very important, universities and colleges are very important. Um, but again, there are certain skills that you may have to just train internally. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we've set up a, a system to do. Part of it's the education system and, 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 and industry needs, I think. Um, but in Iowa, it's specifically uh, the, the number of people. You know, My hope is that we come to the realization that we need to change. And you will hear me say this quite often inside our uh, institution, the United Equipment will either change or it's going to die. I want the state of Iowa to realize that with the next generation coming, we need to change some things because they're very driven by quality of life Mm -hmm. and what opportunities there are for entertainment and recreation and that type of thing. And so I think we have to be very, very cognizant of where the state needs to move to change somewhat of an outdated perception of the state, but also to move it where it's a reality from an, uh, an ending standpoint that it's tough to get people here. I would hope that we just at some point get our politicians together and say, this is what we need to get to do to, to get people to come back to the state, because it's a beautiful place to, to live. It's great people and great education systems. And rather than being as I call it, so Iowa nice, we should just be very competitive and bragging a little bit.
0: Mark Hannawalt, president of United Equipment Accessories in Waverly. Find them online at uea-inc.com. We originally spoke for this program in January 2020. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. You'll also find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR extras and IBR business profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all, subscribe to the Iowa Business Report podcast, not only will you hear this program, but also get notice about our daily IBR updates, which air on many of these same radio stations. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week.